Welcome to the Center Point Pentecostal Church podcast. We hope that this podcast finds you well and that you are ready for a life-changing message from one of our outstanding and anointed ministers. If you like this podcast, please be sure to give us a follow and a five-star review on your favorite podcasting app. Now let's get to today's message. Hallelujah. Sweet presence of God in the house tonight. So very thankful to be here at Centerpoint. I'll give you the verse of scripture. You can be finding that while I blabber mouth just a little bit. But we'll be going to Joshua chapter 4 verses 19 through 24 is where we'll take our verses of scripture. Joshua chapter 4 verses 19 through 24. I'll give it to your media. They'll, they'll have it on the board there as well. Uh, while you're finding that, first off, I want to say thank you to Centerpoint Pentecostal Church and to Brother Beard and Sister Beard and everyone here for having me, allowing me to come and speak to you fine folks tonight. So many friends here. W- me and my wife, we, we travel to a lot of churches, but there is not one like Centerpoint. There is not one that we have a, a family connection with like Centerpoint. And I'll explain some of those things to you tonight as I'm ministering. But I tell you, it feels good to walk into a place where you see so many people that you know love you, genuinely love you, and we love you too. And thank you to my wife and my children for coming with me, encouraging me tonight as I bring the Word of God. Lord is already beginning to move, and I told the men in the prayer room tonight when we were praying that I don't want to preach a long time. I want to see God move tonight. And I hope there is somebody here that came to see God move tonight. Like I said, it's family. I ain't got to come here and impress nobody. All I got to do is show up, let God move, and go home. That's my job tonight. Amen. So let's see God move. Joshua chapter 4, verses 19 through 24. And the people came up out of Jordan on the tenth day of the first month and encamped in Gilgal, in the east border of Jericho. And those twelve stones which they took out of the Jordan did Joshua pitch in Gilgal. And he spake unto the children of Israel, saying, When your children shall ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What mean these stones? Then you shall let your children know, saying, Israel came over this Jordan on dry land. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of Jordan from before you until you were passed over, as the Lord your God did in the Red Sea when he dried it up from before us until we were gone over. That all the people of the earth, that all the people of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty, that you might fear the Lord your God forever and ever. I want to preach to you on the subject tonight, the next stone. The next stone. Close your Bibles and let's pray together. Lord Jesus, have your way in this service. God, I pray that the word that goes forth across this sacred pulpit, that it would be your word, God, and it would carry your anointing tonight. 
God, I'm not coming here with any sense of pride or with anything that's going to bring a worship to me, God, but I want them to see you through me tonight, God. I pray that your spirit would move in this house, and if there be anybody needs the gift of the Holy Ghost, they go and receive it tonight in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, for your word in Jesus' name. Could you clap your hands and shout amen all over the sanctuary? And you may be seated. The next stone. Stones are, are, are pretty popular in the Bible. We talk about stones a lot. Several times they're used in illustration. And I gathered some to bring with me for my illustration tonight. They're pretty important in our lives as well as in a reading of God's word. He's always mentioning a stone when he talks about something solid. When he talks about what something should be built on. When he talks about the chief corner stone. Amen. He gave two stone tablets to a man on the top of a mountain. So I'd say that's pretty important. He gave them to Moses on top of that mountain. And Moses seen that he wrote on that stone with his own fingers. And put the words of those ten commandments on those stones. Stuff for us to live by today. That was in the Old Testament that we still hold true today in the New Testament. They were things to order our footsteps to where we're at today. And they're so good that even when we're just when we wake up, we know them. Brother Beard, you ain't got to teach a dog to bark. They'll naturally bark. You ain't got to teach a man to sin. He'll naturally sin. You don't have to teach a man to feel what's right and wrong. He'll naturally feel it. And it's written on those stones. And when you break one of them, you naturally feel it. I don't care who you are. How far you are away from God. It's written in stone. It's there to stay. It's forever settled in heaven. Jesus was the chief corner stone of our salvation. A man by the name of Peter came to the realization of who Jesus was when he asked his disciples. He said, but who do you say that I am? Peter stood up unlike all the rest of them. He said, well, some say you, you're uh, Elias. Some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're just a prophet. But who do you say that I am? And that man, Peter, he stood up and he said, thou art Jesus Christ, the son of the living God. You are God robed in the flesh who came here to save us from our sins. He was the one who realized that and he said, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it to you but my Father which is in heaven. And upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Yeah. Nothing's going to prevail against it because just like he wrote the commandments on a rock, he built the church on a rock. Amen. Nothing beats the church. Nothing beats God's presence. And that, that name, Peter, you know it all came from the Greek word, uh, from Petros, meaning rock. Okay? We all know that that wasn't coincidence. We knew God knew what he was doing when he was doing that. When he said, upon this rock I'll build my church. He gave this man the keys to the kingdom of heaven and told him what it takes to be saved and how to achieve it and what to follow and when Jesus was crucified, died and was buried they placed him in that tomb y'all and they rolled a big what 
in front of the tomb. A stone because they thought that this is solid enough. It held everything else in the world. But even that stone can't hold Jesus. Amen. He is the rock. He is the rock of my salvation. That stone rolled away from that tomb door and Jesus came walking out of it. I'm here to talk to you tonight about the next stone. Jesus also said, if these should hold their peace, the stones would cry out. If they'll be quiet, I could even make a rock cry out in their place. Harper's getting excited because I'm talking about her song. She won't sing it for you tonight, though. But she won't let a rock cry out for her. Amen. Amen. Jesus also taught a lesson when he said, Let he who is without sin cast the first stone. <laughs> they brought that woman out before them, and all of her accusers were there. And all of them had did something wrong, just like you did something wrong, and I did something wrong. And if there's anybody in here something wrong, please come up and receive your prize. And he said, let he who is without sin, he who has never failed, you take the stone and you cast it. What a good illustration he used when he used the stones. In our verse of scripture, we hear about Joshua leading the children of Israel. Joshua is leading them and he's taken over for Moses because Moses has got old and he's gone up the top of that mountain and God has removed him from this earth. Now Joshua's got to fill his shoes. What great shoes to fill. He's walking in his place. And I feel that probably he didn't get the respect that Moses got. Because they followed Moses and they saw Moses come to a Red Sea. Lift his staff up and say, look what the Lord's going to do. And saw that sea divided in front of them. They saw Moses do that in the name of the Lord. So they had respect for them, for him. They saw Moses walk up to a rock, hit it, and water come out. They saw him turn bitter waters made into sweet. Pharaoh got to see him throw his rod down on the ground and turn to a serpent and then pick it back up as a rod again. They had seen this dude do some stuff, and they had seen Joshua do nothing. <laughs> but Joshua, you know why he got his place, because he had his good report. When everybody else seen something negative, Joshua found the positive. I remember a day when everybody saw the negative in me. But I had some people could see the positive. Everybody saw the negative and thought I'd never be nothing, thought I'd never go nowhere, thought I'd never be anything, and I still am nothing. But thought that I'd never walk the way that God wanted me to walk. But some people had faith in me. Some people never give up praying on me. I had a mother-in-law that I've lost, but she believed in me and when she should have run me off. And I have to remind myself of that all the time when, whenever I see some people come around and my, nat my natural self says, I need to run them off. And then I think of myself and say, you idiot, <laughs> look at yourself. Look where you're standing. Let he who is without sin cast that first stone. So Joshua's leading those people, and he's leading them, and they come to the Jordan River. And it says the Jordan River is up out of its banks during this time. Uncrossable to walk over. Current going through it and everything else. And he tells Joshua, he said, you go to that river, 
take the priest and the Ark of the Covenant and take the children and you go there. And he said, when the priests get to the water and their feet touch the edge of that water, I'm going to stop that Jordan River. And it's going to dry up and y'all going to walk across on dry land. And then he said something else. He said, when you walk across there, I want you to take one man from each tribe, 12 men. I want you to get, let them gather a stone and bring it across there with them. So when their children come by years later on, they say, what does these stones mean, Daddy? What does that symbol mean, Daddy? What does that mean that's out there? What's that altar mean, Daddy? That you can say that God greatly, greatly magnified us in the presence of our enemy. God let us walk across on, on dry land. I want to say you got to remember what the Lord has done for you. There's a stone right now that lets you remember what the Lord has done for you. He's done so much for me I cannot tell it all. Hey, yes, Jesus. They gathered them stones and they packed them across that Jordan. They carried them over there and it said they put them in the place where they were encamping. Each tribe walked over and put that stone down in that place so they could build that monument, so they could come back later on and say, look what the Lord has done. Amen. <laughs> Stones bring remembrance in our life. We got to remember some things. Even whenever the enemy comes against you, you got to remember what God put you, where he put you, and why he put you there, and what he brought you from. I tell you what, it was too hard for, for me to get here, for me to give it up for some loser, for somebody else to make me throw God's anointing away. And I tell you, I had to remember that rock a while back, and I told Brother Mickey the story. I had somebody challenge me. And it's been a while since I've been in a good fight, and last time I remember I was decent. But they challenged me. They told me that I was a liar, that I was fake, that I was two-faced. And they were messed up, y'all. They were messed up. And it wasn't him speaking to me because he said things that I knew was past him. This is a man I've seen speak in tongues before. Told me I better go pray to my little God. Put his finger in my chest like that. About that time, I come off the four-wheeler and I said, that finger in my chest one more time. He proceeded to take his shirt off and kick his boots off and say, come on. And he almost fell down. And I had to remember that rock in my life, that solid foundation where God had brought me from. And I had to be about my father's business. I wanted to knock him out, Brother Beard. But I had to look down and I had to remember, God has took me too far for me to throw it away for some drunk to come here and pull me out of what God has put me in. Hold on to the rock. Somebody's going to challenge you this week. You better hold on to the rock. Somebody's going to put that finger in your chest. You better hold on to the rock. Now I can say, remember 
Because you can bet the whole church would have remembered if he'd have come to the church the next morning. Because this is what else he said. He said, I'm coming to that church in the morning and I'm going to cause a scene. I said, please come to the church in the morning. Please. We love you and we want you there. I've got nothing but love for you. My words. And I'm telling you, I done planned the first three moves, y'all. But I had to be about my father's business. I told the ushers at the church, said, going to be a man come in in the morning. Might be asking for me. Let him come in. Sit him wherever he wants to sit. As long as he don't start hollering bad words, leave him in the church. And I sat there at that kitchen table and I said, I should have, I should have, I should have. You know, and I was regretting. I said, that's what I get forever fooling with those people. That's what I get forever trying to help somebody like that. I ought to never preach to somebody like that again. The devil was lying to me. He was feeding lies to me. He said, you ought to not ever mess with those kind of people again. You stick with those, it's okay. Don't go down that road anymore. You liar, get behind me, devil. I sat in church that morning. 9.30, I was waiting on him. He didn't show up. But my phone went off on my Facebook Messenger. And he said, Brother Mike, I want to apologize for the way I acted last night. I wish I could live for God the way you're living for God. I'm trying to come back to church, but something's got a hold on me. Pray for me. Pray for me. I said, Brother, you are forgiven, and you are welcome, and I love you. Stones are some milestones. There's some milestones in our life. <laughs> you remember things. You remember things like school. Okay? When you went to school, man, all you want to do is get out of school. You want to get that senior ring. Okay? Everybody wants to get their senior ring. And uh, I remember, I don't know where mine's at, but Sister Man has got it somewhere. But I remember seeing it, and it, it had a rodeo on the side of it, because that's what I like. But that was my thing in, in high school was I, I wanted rodeo all the time. That's all I wanted to do. And, man, things change. I went to college, sold the horses. Things change. This is just not where I'm at today. But that stone that I got in that ring helped me remember that I accomplished something. Not me, but God did. Then college. Boy, you, you, you want to get through school, you want to get some college, and you, you want that to be a stone in your life because that, that's, a, that's a thing you can always remember. I worked hard for that. God got me through that. I tell you, I went to the computer lit teacher, computer literacy, and told him, you and me both know I don't need this class. I'll, you can find me in the ag shop if you're looking for me. So I left this class. I didn't, I didn't want to take that. I didn't want to take speech. I don't need speech. I ain't going to need typing class. I'm never going to need to use a computer. I got out of school and I got a job shipping boxes. Somebody come to me and said, you want to go to college? We're going to pay for it. I said, yes, I do. God opened the door and I walked right through and God paid for it all. And a, a dumb old country boy from DeVille made it through. 
but that's a, that's a stone in my life. That was one of the stones that I accomplished, and I remember that. That's not pride. I, I'm not bragging on myself. I'm bragging on God, okay? And then, boy, after you get through with school, when you get out of college, you got to secure a good job. You got to stay in that job, okay? You got to get one. You got to be making that paycheck so you can have some stuff for your own and move out on your own and marry that pretty little girl. And that's your next stone. You got to secure that job. Well, I got that done. I stacked it on my stone of remembrance. Look what the Lord has done. Then, when you find the pretty little girl, find your job first. Then find the pretty girl. Then, you got to marry her. She gonna want to get married. Or you are, both of y'all better. <laughs> and today it's very common in our society that when they have a wedding ceremony, they symbolize their vows in the symbol of a ring. And thank God we're apostolic because uh, our women don't judge by the size of that rock on that ring. <laughs> it's by the size of love in his heart. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So you get married, and that's another stone in my life. That's another good thing God has done for me. He's found me, my high school sweetheart. I married her. Amen. Then you got hobbies, things you like to do. You like to go fishing. You like to go hunting. They can, either, uh, they can be one of two things. They can be a stepping stone, or they can be a stumbling block. They can either get in the way, and you can uh, skip church on Sunday because the fish is biting, Huh? <laughs> or you can put it all where it belongs and you better remember where you need to be on Sunday. My feet are on a rock. And when it comes Sunday, my name is on the roll. If I'm absent, there better be a good reason. And my family knows that. My son knows that. My daughter knows that. My other son knows that. That's a stone in our life. Boy, you better remember. The only reason you have that boat, the only reason you have that job, the only reason you have those friends is because God saw fit for you to have it. So you better give back to him what is rightfully his. You remember, remember. Hallelujah. Kids, raise them right. Raise your children right. Raise them to know God. Raise them to worship the Lord. Raise them to know where they ought to be on a Sunday morning. Raise them that way. Be that rock in their life. My, I want them to say, my daddy taught us never to miss. My daddy taught us always to pray. My daddy taught us always to treat folks right. And I remember that time my daddy almost got in a fight in the yard. And I hope that's a stone in their life. And they remember. They remember. When they come by and they say, Daddy, what's it mean when y'all do that? You got to let them remember. You got to teach them that lesson just like those children would look upon those stones. Matthew chapter 18 verse 6 says, But whoso shall offend one of these little ones? You can mess with a lot of things and make me mad. But I'll get kind of mad, but if you mess with children. <laughs> Don't mess with the children, y'all. We need to pray for our children. We need to pray protection over our children. He says, it would be better for him that a millstone were hanged around his neck, that he were drowned in the depths of the sea. 
if he offends one of those little ones. And then there's the negative stones in your life. There's things that hang you up, like addiction, like alcohol, like the things that get a hold to you, and you can't let them go. They're the real stumbling blocks. They're the real stumbling blocks. They're there in your life, and they're hard to beat. But I remember the day that I got this stone. I remember the day that I got this one right here. I remember the battle that God fought for me. And I remember that 11 years ago, I walked from the back of the church to the front of the church and there was this red-faced shouting man up there in the front. And I said, Lord, I'm going up there and I just want to repent. I'm going to that side, you keep him over there. For years he'd been watching me. For years he'd been watching me and he saw something in me. I made it to that front of that church. He didn't come to me, I come to him. He laid his hands on me 11 years ago. I spoke in an unknown language as the Spirit gave me the utterance. I fell out in the Holy Ghost. I got up and said, somebody baptize me in Jesus' name. I got baptized that very night and I never turned back. I never turned back. I always held on to the stone. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hey. And I'll never let it go, Brother Stacy. I'll never let it go. He calls me once a week. When I can answer, I will. We talk about it, he prays for me, he encourages me, and I know every day that man's praying for me. That's my father in the Holy Ghost. And I'll never let this one go. I'll never let this one go. A lot of things be different, Mason, if daddy would have never received the Holy Ghost. I might be cool as some of your other friends' dads. But you know what? Daddy wouldn't even be around today. Daddy was too, too wild. He wouldn't have turned around and it had not been for that right there. And you remember what, what God did for your daddy. You remember that day that I laid everything down. And I said, the old has got to go. The old man's got to die tonight. There's a new man got to get up and got to walk out of this sanctuary. It's been long enough. It's time for me to put my stone down. And it's time for me to walk into the and God has for me. Thank you, Jesus. I know it's real. I know, I know it's real. This blessing that I got, I know it's real because I tried everything else. I've seen things change me and make me feel good or make me feel bad, but there ain't nothing made me feel like the Holy Ghost made me feel. (laughs) 
when you get the Holy Ghost and you get the real thing, it'll put a shout in your steps. It'll put a dance in your spirit. I know what God has done for me and it's none other than a miracle. I can tell you right now because to be honest, I probably belong in one of those jail cells too. If I'd have been caught for half the things I did, I'd probably be there right now. I'd probably have a rap sheet. But somebody told me one time, you know why the Lord didn't get, let you get caught. You know why the Lord didn't get you in trouble? Because all along he had a calling and a purpose for you in your life. All along he had that purpose for you. Hallelujah. I know it's real. It's real. I know, I know it's real. This Pentecostal blessing, I know, I know it's real. It's real, it's real. I know, I know it's real. This Holy Ghost, I know, I know it's real. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. And you know, we talk about when we get to heaven, Stacy, when we get to heaven, we'd, we'd get up there and we'd, Man, all of us can think about how magnificent it would be and how we'd see everybody there and first thing we'd want to do is walk to them and say, man, what was it like? <laughs> Moses, man, he got to see all those things and Joshua got to see all those things and got to see those walls come tumbling down just when they walked around and shouted. He saw all that stuff happen and if we got there, I've heard people say, when I get there, I'm gonna ask him what it was like. <laughs> when I get there, I'm gonna say, Moses, what was it like? to hold that staff up against that sea with your enemy behind you and see God just open it up and the people walk across on dry ground and then swallow your enemy up right in front of you. What was that like? That'd be an interesting story. And then if I could find Daniel and say, Daniel, what was it like when they throwed you in that lion's den? and you got to lay your head down and sleep and got to have peace in your heart and didn't have to worry about anything happening to you or anything eating you. What was that like, Daniel, to see God magnified so greatly in front of your enemy? What was it like? He'd go to somebody else. Who else would he go to? What was it like to see that blind man get up and open his eyes? What was it like to see that crippled man get up and run? We found Elijah, we'd say, Elijah, what was it like to call fire down from heaven? <laughs> we'd want to know what all that was like, and we'd want to remember. He'd tell, tell me your memory. Tell me your memory of what it was like. <laughs> and I'm getting ready to close. But you know what Elijah would say if we went to him and asked him that? He said, oh, that ain't nothing. You tell me what it was like to have that Holy Ghost living inside of you. You tell me what it was like to have that fire not just called down from heaven but have it living inside your heart. Tell me what that was like. They're walking around heaven and they're admiring what we're seeing and going through and encountering. Hallelujah, Jesus. Remember what God has done. Remember what God has done. Remember. I'm talking about the next stone tonight. What's it like? What's it like? One of the stones in your life better be a prayer life. 
You better know how to pray. You better know how to pray. And I, and I told this to Brother Beer, I felt it very strongly in the spirit tonight that there's somebody here who knows how to pray and you've been praying and you've been doing a fine job, but you ain't prayed through. You can't pray through. You get there, you're praying and you leave and you go home and church was good, but you didn't have a good old praying through. And I want to tell you, somebody's going to get their praying through tonight. If you'll be sensitive to the spirit, somebody's going to get their praying through tonight. And it's going to say, I remember that time that I went to that church and I was feeling cold and distant. There's something wasn't right in my heart. But Jesus came down and he refilled me. He restored me. He delivered me. Are you here tonight? Is there somebody here tonight? Would you stand with me all over this building? Is there somebody here tonight don't want to just pray? I don't want to just pray tonight, but I want to pray through. I want to pray through. You can't reach godly sorrow in your life anymore. You haven't seen the tears flow down your cheeks anymore because you feel cold and you feel distant. You need to fast. You need to pray. You need to believe because God's going to do it. Let me tell you something about the next stone. There's a stone that's coming in your life. Everybody's got this stone of remembrance coming in their life. And it'll have words written on it. The day you got here and the day you left. That stone's going to be placed at your head in that graveyard one day. And it's what you did in between those two dates that's on that stone. It's how you lived in between those two dates that's going to be on that stone. Is that the next stone of my life? We don't know. Nobody knows the day. Nobody knows the hour. And I'll tell you right now, we don't have time to play around. We don't have time to play church. We need to take care of the business right now. And this is the last thing I got to say, and I'm going to let God move. We're going to let God move tonight? Did I preach too long to let God move? The Bible said, if we have faith the size of a grain of mustard seed, we can tell a mountain, remove hence from yonder place and be cast into the sea. That's what it says. We can tell a mountain to move. Now, who in here has seen a real, physical, actual mountain move? I mean, rocks, stones, you've seen it get up and go into some water somewhere. Spiritually, yes. God's moved many mountains in my life, and I told you about them tonight. Spiritually, yes. Brother Mickey, you're a rock in my life. I told you that story before I told this church that story and it made you proud you don't know how good it made me feel this man's a voice of reason in my life he's one of my rocks but when you're praying for that mountain to move and it seems like it just hasn't and then you start to think God can't really move an actual mountain that was just some kind of figure of speech but let me tell you something you ever heard that that saying, Brother Beard, when you want to move the piano, you got to move it an inch at a time. Sometimes when God is moving your mountain in your life, He's not just moving the whole mountain. He's moving it run, rock, at a time. Lord, touch my brother-in-law. Lord, touch my 
my family. Lord, lead my children. Lord, put them all where they need to be. God, take care of that situation on my job. God, take care of that situation that we're facing all together right now. Lord, there's trouble. I need you to fix it. Sometimes it's just one rock at a time, at a time, at a time, at a time, at a time. But God is doing it. He's moving it right now. Thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that it changes and impacts your life for days to come. If you would like to connect with us further, give us a like on Facebook at facebook.com slash Centerpoint Pentecostal Church or just search Centerpoint Pentecostal Church on Facebook. If you would like to join one of our services in person, the service times and address are in the podcast description. Thank you and God bless, and we hope to see you on the next episode.